Welcome in to episode 15 of the Woo Pig Weekly Podcast, your weekly source for all things Arkansas Razorbacks. This week, episode 15 is being brought to you by Row One Brand. Use promo code VSP15 to receive 15% off any item in the gallery, or use promo code VSN20 to receive 20% off any watch. And I tell you, if you haven't haven't visited their website and checked out some of the items they have, you need to. You're missing out. They've got some pretty cool watches with some vintage designs, and they've also got some good vintage T-shirts for a lot of teams in the SEC, but mainly with this one, the Arkansas Razorbacks. So go check them out. they got some pretty good things, um, and you won't be disappointed. Make sure to use those promo codes and receive that either 15% or 20% off. And so this week, again, we'll kind of skip over some football news because there's not really anything to talk about right now. We're getting ready to get kicked off with spring training here in about a couple weeks um, as they're finalizing the roster and getting ready to kick that off. And as that gets started up, we'll have news for you and we'll bring you uh, what news we have for you. So we'll move over and get jump right into Arkansas basketball news as Arkansas men's basketball lost a tough matchup on the road to Texas A&M on Friday, February 15th. Where, or Wednesday, February 15th, uh, 62 to 56. This was just a tough game all around for the Hogs. It was a tough shooting night. It had a decent first half, but I, you know, the announcers kept saying it uh, that that last minute three right before the halftime from AM kind of had a domino effect into that second half where I believe they came out and hit three straight three point three pointers and even had a three point play. Um, all right at the beginning of the second half that kind of got us in a hole that we struggled to get out of. But in this game, Devo had led the team in scoring with 14 points, followed by Makai Mitchell with 11 points and Anthony Black with nine points. Um, as far as the rebounding goes in this in this game, Makai Mitchell led the team with nine, followed by Ricky Council and Jordan Walsh with five each, and Mikhail with four rebounds. Shooting percentage in this game, the team shot 44% from the field, going 22 of 50. They shot 31.3% from the three-point range, going 5 of 16, and 50% from the free-throw line, going 7 of 14. A key thing to look at in this game defensively, we had six blocks in this game. Um, So I, I believe I heard today that both Mitchell twins are in the upper end of the SEC and leading blocks for the, on the season. Yeah, what's your take on this game, Seth? Yeah, it was a kind of a weird night, honestly. Like like you said, the first half shots were falling for us a little bit better. Um, Second half, they came out with a flurry, and it's like, I mean, the the momentum definitely swung there, and it's almost like we couldn't really answer their runs with big enough runs of our own. I mean, we showed spurts trying to close the gap there late, but it just it just didn't materialize. I mean, so, some games happen like that. I, I, it was kind of strange down the stretch. I think a lot of fans um, were kind of questioning it, but Nick Smith Jr. only played four minutes in the game, and I, if I remember correctly, I don't think he even played the second half, which I, I, I get it. You know, he's he was kind of get, trying to get his sea legs back under him and stuff, and so you're, you're trying to win a close game. You kind of want to maybe stick with the guys that have gotten you some close wins, you know, a few weeks back and stuff, so I don't really question that call specifically. I just think the the four minutes in the entirety is is maybe a little bit strange. Um, didn't give him a whole lot of chance to even get into rhythm, and maybe that could have helped us down the stretch. I don't know, but part of it. Yeah, I know it's one of those things where you know he. I think he came in that first half, and that four minutes came in, had a couple turnovers, and then you know Coach Muss was asked about that in the presser, and you know he said I was trying to win the game, which kind of goes to your point of sticking with those guys that 
have gotten you there to that point and with somebody that's trying to come back from an injury, you know, maybe not the guy that you want in there in a close game trying to get a, a key win. Yeah. Other thing that sticks out to me before we move on from this one is shooting 50% from the free throw line. Um, that kind of reverts back to some of those games we lost kind of earlier in the season where we had a couple close losses and tough losses, um, even right before conference play um, kind of got, we didn't have the best free throw shooting and that got better um, in my opinion. And then this, it we kind of reverted back a little bit here. Didn't get to the line a ton, only 14 attempts and only made seven of those. So if you kind of bump that, if you get a few more free throw looks and, and get your percentage up, that six-point loss turns into a real close game there at the end um, or potentially a win. So I, that that's uh, something I hate to see. But, again, kind of playing in a hostile environment sometimes affects that. So Yeah, that's true. And so we'll, we'll jump over to our Arkansas women's basketball where they took on Tennessee on February 16th where, unfortunately, they dropped another tough game, 87-67, to 67, not as close as some of them in the past. Um, Aaron Barnum led the team in scoring with 25 points, followed by Chrissy Carr with 14 points and Samara Spencer with 10 points. Michaela Daniels and Jersey Wolfenbarger led the team in rebounding with five apiece, followed by Sailor Poffenbarger with four and Chrissy Carr with three rebounds um, as well. In this game, the team shot 35.6% from the field, shooting 26 of 73, 18.2% from the three-point range, shooting six of 33 and 75% from the free throw line going nine of 12. And so I think this is another tough loss that this team is just can't get their footing under them. And I don't know what's going on, but you, you see, I think one thing you look at when you look at these statistics right away is this team right now is living and dying by the three shooting 18%, but you see just the sheer number they're shooting per game. Like this game, they shot 33 and only making six of them. And that, that's that's what's going to kill you. Yeah, those a lot of times those basically feel like a turnover when you come down, shoot a quick three, miss it, don't get the offensive board. I mean, it's as as far as quality possessions go, sometimes those are a little lackluster. Nothing that sticks out to me, and obviously when you're living and dying by the three, you're not going to get to the free throw stripe as as much as you might need to. Um, so that that's another stat that really sticks out to me there. It's it's kind of been a tough year for them. They've had definitely some ups and downs, and you you you've seen some good wins against some good teams, and then some some close losses, and then you know a couple really bad losses, I guess you could say. And it's definitely been kind of an up and down year for them. But hopefully they can kind of finish out strong. I know it's it's kind of the bad time of the year to be dropping games like this, but still wish them the best. <laughs> Yeah, and as of updated bracket rankings, you know, the Lady Razorbacks are currently listed as the first team out. So I think as they close the season with the last few games we got upcoming here, I think it's going to be key if they if they want to make the tournament, they're going to need to win, you know, most of if not all of their last games coming up here in the next, you know, couple weeks right before tournament time. So hopefully they can get it turned around. Um, I know some people have said maybe – Coach Mike Neighbors' seat's getting is he's getting on hot seat, but I think what he's done with this program, I think he's he's getting there. Um, that you know he's got some young talent in there that needs to probably mature a little bit more, but that they're still playing well, but have got to figure out how to win in those close game situations. Yeah, they. Uh, 
I, I don't think the hot seat is there yet, but it's never far away in the coaching world. Um, so I definitely got to find ways to, to get wins or at least not get tough, big losses like that. I mean, it's, it's a little, a little bit more forgivable if you lose a game in overtime by a couple of points there at the end or something like that. I mean, it's still a loss, but sometimes those scores speak a lot of volume too. Yeah, that's true. And so with that, we'll jump over back to Arkansas men's basketball where on Saturday they took on Florida back home in Bud Walton where dogs definitely got back on track in this one with a big win, 84 to 65, where I think the key name in this game is Jalen Graham, where he exploded off the bench to lead the team in scoring with 26 points, followed by Ricky Council with 15 points, who also came off the bench, and Anthony Black with 14 points. Um, rebounding wise, you had Mikael Mitchell or Makai Mitchell lead the team in rebounding with 10, followed by Jalen Graham and Ricky Council, both with seven rebounds and Anthony Black with five rebounds as well. So um, this team had a lot better game. You know, I, I myself, I made it out to the game on Saturday and in person got to see this team at home and they shot the ball a lot better this game. And that's reflected when you look at their shooting percentages. So this team, the team shot 57.6% from the field going 34, 59, 20% from the three point range shooting two of 10 and 82.4% from the free throw line going 14 of 17. So, uh, that's something you got to look at, you know, only 20% from three point range. You'd like to see that a little bit more, but I think the key thing to look at here is we only shot 10 overall for the entire game, which is less than what we normally shoot. We are normally shooting around 15 to 16 a game and to not have to rely on those as much this game is a sign that we're starting to develop that mid range game a little bit more. And I think that's, you can attribute that to the return of Nick Smith jr. Where in this game, he played 32 minutes and, and got the start this game as we went with a smaller lineup due to the injury to Castleton for Florida and him being out for the rest of the season. Must decide to go with a, a smaller, quicker lineup. And so Nick Smith got the start, played 32 minutes, scored 10 points where he went 4 of 12 from the field. He he didn't hit any three-pointers, but he I think that, game, that part of his game is going to come as he keeps playing more. He made both of his free throws at the free throw line, had one rebound, one assist, and two steals as well. So he had a significantly a much better game than that previous game at AM where he played four minutes. I think this was a good game to get him back on track as we it was a good get right game, especially with Florida missing Castleton. You you kind of figured this would be an easier win for the Razorbacks, which has hasn't come very often this season. Um, and then you also got to look at Makai Mitchell recorded a double-double this game with 10 points and 10 rebounds. Yeah, I think this was the game that Nick, Nick Smith Jr. needed. Um, obviously not the best shooting, especially from deep going 0-4, um, but scored 10 points. He was very active on defense, played 32 minutes, like you said, and uh, I kind of shake some of that rust off, see the ball go through the hoop. Um Definitely kind of a turnaround game, like you said, from the AM game. So hopefully that kind of helps him build some of his confidence because I, I still think we're really going to need him down the stretch come tournament time. You, you've got to have those bodies. I mean, it's you see it time and time again. When you've only got, you know, six, seven, eight guys in your rotation, you can be great, but sometimes the greatness can wear off late in tournaments, you know, just with fatigue. So the 
the the more quality talent that you can have rotating in and off the bench, I think Jalen Graham really adds to that as well, especially based off certain matchups and things like that. But the more talent you can have coming off the bench and kind of rotating in, keeping guys fresh, where they're not playing 35-plus minutes, you know, they can stay at 30 or, or maybe a little bit below, that really helps down the stretch. Kind of to your point, though, Jalen Graham really, really did set the tone. I think he picked up a lot more minutes towards the end of this game than a lot of people may have thought since he didn't start, um, but he was really able to expose the fact that Castleton didn't play. Florida couldn't really handle his offensive presence inside, and, I mean, he, he scored 26 points easily. I, I really think that he could have dropped a 30-piece this game if he really tried hard. Um, so it, they did a good job putting in the right players to to um, expose the matchup mismatches. So I, I, say, I, I really think, think that's props to Musselman on finding those. Yeah, I think it's like you there. said, you know, he's going to be key down the, down the stretch as, you know, come tournament time. But also, um, I know sometimes he can be looked at as a defensive liability, but outweighs that. And we need that production from him. And, you know, it's like you said that his – that that smooth hook shot he's got is unguardable. You can try it as much as you want, but you're not blocking that shot, and he can hit that all day. Um, and now he slowly improved his uh, free throw game. He 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 was better this game, uh, shooting his free throws. And like you said, I think Nick Smith Jr. is also going to be key down the stretch. Where coming up in this one of these matchups on the road against either Alabama or Tennessee, I think he might be key if we were to pull one of those upsets. Because you know he wasn't, he wasn't with the team whenever we lost to the Alabama back at home in December, so he'll bring another wrinkle into the game, and then also, I think he'll be able to help us get that good mid range game against Tennessee. Whereas you know they're a team that rely on a lot of three point shooting, so if we can kind of get that shut down, I think we have a decent shot to maybe go going down to Tennessee and get a win as well. Yeah, I would love to steal one of those two for sure. Um, I I think the longer the season goes on, the more Musselman is figuring out the buttons to push in each game's matchup. Um, this is a great example of that. I know Texas A&M, you know, everybody kind of questioned a little bit with not playing Nick Smith as much. But, I, you know, I still think he might have pressed the right buttons there. It just didn't work out for him. But figuring out those mismatches and being able to utilize the the specific players that you need. I mean, obviously the Mitchell twins, if you need somebody to kind of body down low or Jalen Graham to have more of an offensive presence around the rim, if the matchups are fitting for that, um, you'll see him subbing guys, you know, late for three point possessions. Opinion hasn't gotten a lot of playing time lately. Um, not hundred percent sure what's going on there, but you, you've seen it in the past where, Certain possessions, you'll bring those guys in and bring them right back out, swap in defense, you know, late in games. So the more the season goes on, the more he's figuring out his guys and what their strengths and weaknesses are. And I think you're you're starting to see him utilize that, I, I, I think, better. Yeah. And I think that's something you're going to look at as we kind of talk about it. You know, the matchup that we're having with Georgia tonight, I think it's going to be where you're going to need – more of a big man presence as they've got a couple big men. So this may be a game where you see again either a start of the both Mitchell twins or maybe one of the Mitchell twins and Jalen Graham as well. Um, it's one of those things where it's matchup dependent, but also you want to see the the kind players of keep playing that, the hot hand. 
yeah, the hot hand get their get their minutes, especially ones that you know come on late, but then maybe struggle a little bit. But yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, so we'll we'll move up, jump over to some Arkansas women's basketball. As again, they lost another game, not a close one, as they lost to Georgia. Um, 71 to 48. So not a, not a close game, this matchup. Um, they had it close at halftime as, you know, looking at half, they were only down by four points, four points at halftime. Um, but then came out in the second half and kind of don't know what happened. They just really all in all fell apart. If you think about it, but when you look at our stats here, um, you had Chrissy Carr lead the team in scoring with 21 points, followed by Aaron Barnum with 16. But after that, nobody else scored double-digit points. You had Sailor Proffenbarger with six, Michaela Daniels with three, Ellis with two. So not much offense behind those two players. And um, rebounding-wise, you had Sailor Proffenbarger and Aaron Barnum tied for the team high in rebounds with seven. And behind that, you had Michaela Daniels with four, and LS with three. So, you know, behind Carr and Barnum, you didn't really have anybody to help them scoring wise. So that, that kind of maybe what's going on, you have uh, not as many pieces stepping up and we kind of reference this with men's basketball too. Um, when we've seen success, it's been when the teams have multiple people scoring at least, you know, 10 to 12 points a game compared to just one or two people trying to do it all themselves. Right. We only shot 30% from the field in this game and only 15% from three. So we, we kind of alluded to it in the, the previous game as well. But um, they're having a hard time getting good interior looks. So we're settling for threes more often than we should. And that if you're not hitting them, man, it really drags down your percentages. And kind of like I was saying earlier, they almost feel like turnovers, you know, whenever you – you're almost forced to jack up a, a three and doesn't go in. You get they get a long rebound, kind of able to run out from that. It, it it's almost a turnover nearly. So definitely a a really tough stretch that the, the Lady Razorbacks are going through right now. But what doesn't kill you makes you stronger sometimes. So yeah, hopefully they'll get back on track. And like I said, you know when you look at the remaining games for them, they've got two games left to go this season before essentially tournament time. They have a game against Mississippi State and a game against AM. The AM game should be a little bit better game for them as AM on the season. It's only six and eighteen record. So um they're struggling too. And then that Mississippi State game, they have a similar record to Arkansas. So maybe that can be a toss up and they can get that win and win win out the rest of the season and have a chance to make the tournament. Um, we'll just have to wait and see as Selection Sunday comes around here in the next few weeks. All right, I'll uh, kind of shift gears here. We'll look at some gymnastics. Uh, Arkansas had a, a meet with Kentucky on February the 17th. Kind of the same story. Um, we lost a close one here, 197.875 to uh, 195.4. Um, so, unfortunately, we didn't put up a, a, a combined score, kind of what we've seen over the last few weeks where we were able to break the 197 mark. So a little bit of regression there. But um, we, we outscored Kentucky on the vault 49.525 to 49.5, so very close margin there. Um, and then Kentucky outscored us on the remaining three events on the bars, 49.4 to 
to uh, 49.325. Um, I think the, the biggest gap was on the beam where Kentucky outscored us 49.375 to 47.075. Um, so fairly large margin there for gymnastics at least. And then they outscored us on the floor routine as well, 49.6 to 49.475. A little bit more of a disparity in the scores there, but still a pretty tough one. Yes, good competition. It's one of those sports where when you look at gymnastics, it's it's so tough to grade just because – you win a match based on total score, but a lot of it depends on individual scores as well, where you want to have a collective high score, but also you need individuals to perform all at a high level as well to get that score higher. You don't think of it intuitively as a team sport, but it really is um, when it comes to the way these meets happen. Um, you know, the individuals are out there, trying to make names for themselves, especially a lot of them with, you know, kind of Olympic aspirations in mind. But when it comes to actually the meets themselves as a whole, it is a team sport. So you do want to have that, those teams that have um, solid pieces all the way around. Um, Cause it's, it's not just one person that can kind of win it or lose it for you. Um, it's definitely a team game there. It's very true. And so we'll now we'll jump over to some Arkansas tennis where Arkansas men's tennis took on Tulsa on February the 15th, where they won this matchup, match 4-1, to one, and they moved to 11-1 and one on the year. So our men's tennis are, is, is really knocking it out of the park this year so far as the season goes with only one loss. And then our Arkansas women's tennis versus Baylor on February the 17th, they won this matchup 5-2, to two, and they moved to 5-1 and one on the year. So both teams having only one loss on the year so far um, and looking pretty good. At it. Hopefully they can keep up that momentum and – have a pretty good year, especially once it comes around, you know, tournament time and, you know, conference play. Right. We'll uh, kind of shift gears again here, look at some softball. We'll, um, we've got several games to cover, so we'll, we'll kind of burn through these games and then kind of have a after-action report after we cover some of the stats here. But um, on the 17th, we played Florida State. Lost a pretty close one here, 9-6. to six. Um we had a total of 10 hits this game. Um, Hannah Gamble went three for four from the plate, so she had a pretty good game. And then Casey Hoffman drove home a career-high four runs, going two of four at the plate. Had a two-run home run and then a two-RBI double. Um, Rylan Hedgecock finished with two hits, including a solo home run. And then we did use four pitchers in this game. Um, Left-handed pitcher Callie Turner, she uh, gave up four runs on four hits, had three strikeouts across two innings. Um, Chanice Delcy. Had four runs as well on four hits in two innings. And then Robin Heron pitched two-thirds of an inning, and Nikki McGaffin pitched the remaining one and one-third of an inning. Um, we played Duke on February 17th. Lost another tough one here, seven to four. Um, Kylie Halverson, Hannah Gamble, Casey Hoffman, and Reagan Kramer all recorded hits in this game. Four pitchers were used as well here. You had left-hand pitcher Hannah Kamenzen, she gave up three runs on five hits in one and two-thirds innings. Um, Nikki McGaffin relieved her. She gave up two runs on two hits. Denise Delcy came in, gave up one run on four hits. She had four strikeouts across three innings. And then Callie Turner, um, she had a one, two, three, six innings with uh, one strikeout. Um, Caleb, I'll let you cover a couple of these other ones, buddy. 
Yeah, so that was that, that was the Friday doubleheader in the tax at Clearwater Invitational. And then Saturday, you jumped over and had another doubleheader where first game of the day, Arkansas took on Indiana, where they got back on track in this game with a 7-0 win, where freshman left-handed pitcher Robin Heron pitched a shutout to win this game, um, which is a big game for a freshman. She had a, a four-hit complete game shutout with 12 strikeouts and only allowed one walk. So, you know, heck of a game by the freshman pitcher that came in and, you know, performed really well. Um, and then you had freshman Reagan Johnson went three for four at the plate, including scoring two runs. Ryland Hedgecock went two from three, two for three with a home run and three RBIs. Uh, Reagan Kramer hit her first home run, which was a two-run shot to right field. And then you also had Casey Hoffman and Attila, Attila Rijo hit doubles as well. And then the second doubleheader that game, you had Arkansas softball taking on Louisiana, which was actually a ranked matchup as they were, Louisiana was ranked 22nd. And Arkansas wins this game close with a score of 7-6, to six, where they Arkansas actually scored all seven runs within the first two innings of this game. Uh, Ryland Hedgecock went 3-4, of four, continued the hot hitting with three RBIs and one home run. Reagan Johnson went 2-5 for five with two runs scored. You had junior Callie Turner pitch one and a one and one third innings, and Hannah Kimsen come in the game in the second and give up one run on two hits, and then Janice Dells took it took over and closed it out in the third, as she threw four scoreless innings and had seven strikeouts to end the game. With this game, Arkansas coach um, Courtney Diefel with this win actually moved up to be the all-time winners and winning. All-time winningest coach, softball coach at Arkansas with 245 wins uh, with that win versus Louisiana. So congrats to her. That's a big achievement, you know, for her to come in at Arkansas within her few years here and get get, get those wins. That kind of shows you where she's taking the program. And then Arkansas finished up its uh, game with its last game here in this Invitational where Arkansas won 6-1 over Nebraska. Kylie Halverson went 2-3 of three with four RBIs. Robin Heron and Janice Dells combined the day for only three hits. Heron allowed only one run on two hits and had five strikeouts and four innings of work. And then Janice Dells came in and pitched the final three innings with four strikeouts and allowed one hit. So Arkansas could have, you know, didn't necessarily go 5-0 like they did in that first Las Vegas tournament, but came back and, you know, still finished the the tournament 3-2 and two with a winning record, which brings their their, their record their season – record to eight and two on the season. So as they get ready to fire up for some home matchups this coming week. Yeah. Softball team, they can really hit the ball. I mean, it, it just depends on kind of what, what game from game to game on if everybody's firing all, all cylinders or if it's just a few of them, um, those games where they really all kind of get going, you'll see the the whole lineup get hits here and there. It's, those are the ones you really got to look out for. That team can be really dangerous at the plate. And then, uh, just, just kind of getting the pitching into their rhythm. Obviously, Chanice is going to be good, um, but then Heron stepping up and having a few really good outings. Um, that's that's encouraging to see where you're not just kind of a one-trick pony on the mound. So going to be an exciting year for the softball team for sure. Yeah, I think pitching-wise, the thing that sticks out to me, like you said, a freshman pitcher coming in and pitching a complete game with 12 strikeouts – you know, that kind of shows you've got some talent there that, you know, she's one that 
you know, she could be key down the stretch this year. And if she stays a few years, could be the chance to have, you know, a Chinese Dells type of career where she comes in and could be an SEC pitcher of the year or possibly, you know, player of the year in softball getting SEC or not even SEC, but just overall collegiate pitcher of the year. You know, that, that type of talent I think is possible. Um, we don't want to set too high of expectations, but just from what we've seen in these first few games here, seems pretty good. Yeah, that shaping up to have a pretty pretty solid one two punch as far as pitching goes, and man, that's that's the way to win series right there is having a couple of aces up your sleeve. That's <laughs> very true. And, and speaking of some series, you know, we we're, we're kicking up uh, baseball season, getting it kicked off, and I know a lot of Arkansas fans were ready for this. As Arkansas went down to Arlington to compete in the the college baseball showdown, where it was full of ranked teams, Arkansas played two of its games versus ranked teams where um, went two and one in this, in this uh, round Robin type of tournament style outing. But our first matchup was of the season. Arkansas took on Texas to win its first game three to two on opening day where the combination of Hagen Smith and Brady Tiger pitched lights out this game. Left-hander Hagen Smith pitched five scoreless innings with eight strikeouts and only 68 pitches. Um, and then this game, this game was scoreless until the seventh inning when Kendall Diggs hit a two-run single and put the Hogs up two to zero. And then John Bolton followed that up with a one-out double, scoring Jace Borfin. Um, and then Tiger finished up this game with a five-out, five-out save to end the game. That was a close matchup. Um, I think everybody's kind of sitting on the edge of their seat the whole time. I, I, I had several friends and family that were actually down at that game and. Everybody said, I mean, it was it was almost stressful how nobody could really break it open and get any runs until the seventh. And then to be able to squeak out a close win like that, kind of get the uh the first game jitters off and all that kind of stuff. It was that's definitely a good way to open up a win, especially against somebody that's kind of an old rival. So good win for the team there. And then we'll look at the next matchup they had this weekend where they took on TCU and and this game didn't have as much of a bright spot as that first one where Arkansas lost a tough one this one where they went down 18 to six. Um, just couldn't get the bats going. It was just one of those games where trying to figure out their pitching, but also it is only the second game of the season. So players are trying to find their rhythm. Some guys are, this is their first D one college game as they came over from Juco schools and things like that. But when you, when you break it down, you had several players actually hit the ball pretty well, just not enough to get us, in that winning column, but you had Jared Wagner, Hudson Polk, Kendall Diggs, and Jason Jones all have their first home runs of the season, where Jared Wagner actually hit a team high of three. He had three hits with three RBIs, and he was a triple shy of hitting cycle in this game. Um, he was a bright spot for Arkansas in this game, and I think a guy that's going to be a stud throughout the season this year is he's a he's a kid that not a Juco guy, but a guy that transferred over from Creighton. Um, but he, I think he's going to be – a key piece as far as offensively for the team this season. And then during this game, Arkansas just used, used nine pitchers. Just nobody could find rhythm, get in a groove where they could consistently get outs. And we we just – it was a tough matchup and not much to go off on that one. And then to round out the weekend, um, kind of continuing from last year's regional series, Arkansas demolished Oklahoma State in this game 18-1, to where – 
this game was actually finished in just seven innings where because due to both coaches agreeing to the run rule for this game, if it got to that point, which it did, but you had Jared Wagner follow up that big game he had against TCU with another good game where he finished two of four with a walk, two runs scored and five run five RBIs. So he, he continued the hot hand there. You had Hunter Holland pitch four innings with four, five strikeouts. He's a guy that kind of had to step up. Not, not, not many people were sure what to expect out of him especially due to the Wiggins injury. He's a guy that is probably going to come in and replace him as our Sunday guy. Um, so he performed pretty well-rounded outing for him. I was impressed and, you know, satisfied with how he performed. And then 13 of our 18 runs scored in this game were scored with two outs. So that kind of shows we're able to get those hits under pressure, especially with those two out scenarios. And then when you look at relief pitching, you had Cody Frank, Cody Adcock, and Gage Wood all really work in relief of Hunter Holland to help, you know, get us to that seven-inning mark as they only had to combine for three innings after Hunter Holland pitched the first four innings of that game. So finished that weekend down in Arlington in the college baseball showdown, two and one, which you hate to drop one, but it is early season. It's one of those things I think if we maybe play TCU in a series, we could take that series. But with with just a one-game round-robin type of setup, it it's not necessarily a bad thing to drop a game early in the year. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, it was definitely a tough loss to lose it the way we did. I mean, I don't hate the loss at all. Just losing 18-6 to six stings a little bit. But definitely um, – a great way to learn kind of a hard lesson early in the year when, when the, the losses don't matter nearly as much. Um, and then to your point, you know, th- these games in this kind of round robin style tournament, they're, they're not so much about winning the games as much as they are seeing a bunch of different pitching, uh, a bunch of different talent from other teams playing a lot of di- your different players, trying to figure out kind of what your lineup's going to be. Um, I know we had, couple of guys struggled at the plate and then we made some changes, put some new guys in, just kind of seeing, seeing where our lineup is, seeing where our talent shows up, um, kind of trying to iron out some of the wrinkles and get your, get your sea legs under you to kind of get the season really going. Um, I think one thing to point out, Jared Wegner had a good enough weekend that he was named SEC player of the week yesterday um, for that weekend down there. So he's already getting some national attention or at least SEC attention. And, uh, I'm hoping he can kind of carry that hot streak throughout the year. I know that's that's one of the hardest things to do is get hot and stay hot. So look to see him be kind of one of those leading guys for us. Obviously, um, Brady Slavens he had a pretty good weekend as well, and a lot of a lot of talent on that team. I'm excited to see how Dave Van Horn kind of pieces the puzzle together on who to play, when to play, when all that goes. I was about to say if there's a guy that that can do it. He's the guy, you know, especially after our conversation with Matt Goodhart last week, you know, you know, with high praise Van Horn, you know, he's the guy that when he makes a decision, it's most likely going to work out one of those things where, you know, he thinks through things very thoroughly. And especially even when he talks to the media, he he chooses his words carefully. So it's one of those things that he's going to, as this year progresses, I think you're going to see, him shape up a pretty good ball club for this coming season. Yeah, I agree. Um, we d- we did just actually play Grambling earlier this afternoon, kind of cover that game as well. Um, game started out a little bit 
rocky. Um, kind of came out. We had a hard time adjusting to their pitching. Frankly, um, they were throwing kind of upper uh, mid mid upper seventies, which isn't necessarily what you see when you're playing SEC clubs or kind of the clubs we saw over the weekend with two ranked teams between Oklahoma State and TCU. And then obviously Texas isn't anybody to slouch at. So um, it was a little bit of an adjustment from the from the pitching speed for us. So we, we kind of got off to a slow start and they, they got up on a six to one. But we did come back and win this game nine to seven. Kind of rallied late to win the game. Um, Brady Tiger did make an appearance in this game. We had a, a couple of pitchers. I think McIntyre got the start, if I remember correctly. I wasn't able to watch all of it since it started at three. Um, but Tiger came out, had a really solid closeout for the win. He's um, in this game and I think kind of in the uh, Texas game as well. He's he's kind of picking up where he left off last year as really being the guy that comes in and closes games. And I mean, almost that kind of Matt Cronin level of you see him come into a game and start kind of shaking your boots because you know you're going to have a hard time getting hits on him. That's very true. And I, I think – McIntyre didn't make an appearance in this game. I think we actually started a freshman, Ben Bybee, um, a freshman that got to start this game. But, gotcha. you know, we, I think we struggled a little bit finding a guy that could come in and get command, really. And I think that's what, you know, Grambling came out ready to hit the ball. I think they they just were able to figure out our guys. But um, I think we had Cody Clark or Cody Frank come in and he kind of settled down and got us through a majority of those innings until, like we said, Tiger came out and kind of did his thing and closed out the game and helped us secure that rally win. Yeah, I did see uh, Frank come in and he kind of came into a sticky situation um, with runners on first and second, if I remember correctly, came in and got a first pitch, one hit double play ball um, to kind of get us out of an inning that could have blown the game open even more than it already was at that point. Um, and then he really settled in nicely from there, to your point. And then, obviously, Tiger is the real deal. I mean, Tiger's a dude. Which is crazy to think just because they they made a big deal about it last year where coming into the you know, his freshman year, he wasn't really highly recruited, wasn't really a guy that got a lot of looks. And, you know, sometimes it happens like that way where you find a diamond in the rough in a sense where – you know, yeah, he's overlooked by some guys, but, you know, when he gets the opportunity, as we're seeing, he takes it and runs with it. Yeah, he's done a great job of that. Um, I, I think one thing that he has for him that's that's kind of one of those intangibles is just his mentality. You see him on the mound. He's itching to throw the next pitch. He's not – he doesn't get rattled very easily, um, at least that I can tell. He's He's – he's really a, an aggressive mindset on wanting to kind of go after hitters and find ways to uh, get strikeouts and get outs. And he's, he's eager, I guess you could say when he's on the mound, not a lot of guys have that same mentality. So for him so far, it's worked out for him really well. And I'm, I'm excited to watch him this year and kind of see how he progresses. Obviously we've got a great pitching coach staff with Matt Hobbs and the guys there. And I uh, I'm always excited to see kind of the improvements those guys make year in, year out, and, and what they kind of become. It's very true. He, he's one of those guys that it's always fun to watch him pitch. Like you said, he's got those intangibles. But also, he's a very emotional guy, and you can tell, like, he gets fired up when he, he comes in and gets that first strikeout. He gets super fired up, and it's just, you know, that just builds and stacks on top of each other and lets him get through the rest of the inning. Like, he, you can tell it's – you know, he's just one of those guys that feeds off that emotion and 
he's just a guy that, you know, has that closure mentality. I think he comes in with that emotion, that fire ready to go and can, like, in a sense, slam the door shut in a close game. Um, and I think that's going to be key down the stretch. Yeah, and I, I think you take a lot of pride in that that kind of ability to come in and really ruin your your comeback attempt or ruin your day, you know, as, as another team. He, he's got that that kind of killer mentality for sure. I think another guy that before we move on, you got to mention on the offensive side, you got to look at he's under the radar but has performed well in all the games this season is Tavian Josenberger, the transfer from Kansas. Doesn't hasn't put up crazy numbers like Wagner has, but he's a very consistent player and a speedy player. He's a guy that we we mentioned before recording is a guy that, you know, he's got the speed that he can turn what should be just a regular single into a double. And even uh, when guys hit deep balls can turn, go from second to home in the blink of an eye, he's got that type of speed. Yeah, he, he the way he runs the base pass really reminds me of Casey Martin. Um, a little bit different style of the way they run, but my gosh, the dude is wicked fast, and it's it's nice to have somebody um, leading off for you that way. That that really does have good control of the bat. He's hit well so far with that kind of speed, and then you know his defensive prowess in center field. He's he's been a bright spot for us for sure so far this this early season. I was about to say, as far as outfield play, he he almost reminds you of uh, Christian Franklin as far as that speed and how he can move around out in the outfield to, you know, get those balls that maybe come off more towards the wall and he can has that speed to to catch up and, you know, really reel in on it. Yeah. He's, he's a good player, definitely. It was a heck of a transfer pickup for us. Yeah. And so as we, we, we switch over to wrapping up with some upcoming events this um, – the rest through the rest of this weekend weekend um we bref- we briefly previewed it earlier uh in the in the episode where Arkansas men's basketball is taking on Georgia tonight where it's another home game for Arkansas where we really need to get a win here and win out the rest of our home games and hopefully like we mentioned steal one on the road either at at Alabama or at Tennessee those will be some tough road games but I think you know if anybody can do it Moss can get this team and in a good enough position to be able to do that. And then we'll jump over to Arkansas softball, making their, their home opener on Thursday as they have a double header versus Arizona at 3 PM and 5 30 PM. And then Arkansas women's basketball will be playing Mississippi state on the 23rd as well. And then you have Arkansas men's and women's track and field, both competing in the sec indoor championship on February 24th and the 25th. So their season pretty much comes and goes as far as track goes. It's not as long or extended as, say, other sports. It's a pretty quick turnaround season as far as track and field goes. And then you have Arkansas softball playing Arizona on Friday the 24th as well. And then you have Arkansas baseball kicking off their first home series against Eastern Illinois which they'll play February 24th through the 26th. Um, one of both of us, both of us will probably be in attendance for at least one of these games this weekend. Um, so we'll be able to give you some insight at how this year's stadium um, atmosphere is, which I'm sure it's not going to be lack, have lack thereof um, as Arkansas fans love their baseball and have been itching to get back in bomb bomb Walker stadium since end of last season. Uh, it feels like it's been a long time since we, 
weren't able to actually host the the regional or the super. So it's been two hundred odd days since there's actually been baseball played in bomb. So I think the fans are really ready to get back in there, man. I think so too. Um, and then you have Arkansas Gymnastics taking on Missouri on February 24th as well. And then softball taking on Drake at home as well as they start a series versus Drake as well that will go through uh, the 24th through the 26th. You have Arkansas Women's Tennis taking on Oklahoma on the 25th. And then Arkansas Swimming and Diving will be competing in the NCAA Last Chance Invitational Tournament type uh, event going on on the 25th. And then Saturday amidst um, the baseball going on this weekend, you have Arkansas men's basketball going on the road to take on number two, Alabama, which this, like we said, this is going to be a game, which should be nice if Arkansas can steal this one on the road, but Arkansas is going to have to play near a perfect game. I feel like to make this happen as, you know, we, we did play them earlier in the season without Nick Smith. So as he gets more up to speed, maybe that'll be a factor that can help throw some wrinkle in our offense and help us, Maybe catch them off guard a little bit. Yeah, I'd love to see that. They're they're a really really solid team, though. I mean, it's it's not so much that we can't score against them; it's how much can our defense do to stop them. And they're 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 great on offense. I'll just you got to give them their credit. It's gonna be a tough game. Hope we can kind of come in and, like you said, surprise them. Hopefully, I was about to say, if anything, I just want to prevent happening to us what happened to Georgia this past weekend when they played Alabama. That was. Um, not something you want to let your kids see as far as getting. I think Bama dropped 108 on them or something. Yeah, they were they were close to nearly getting 120 points out there. So it was it, it was not a pretty matchup for Georgia, and that's something like we you know Georgia might be out for blood. So we need to you know not slack up this game tonight for us either. Um, and then you have Arkansas women's tennis taking on Missouri State. And then men's tennis play having a doubleheader match versus Omaha on the 26th. And then you have women's basketball, their last regular season game taking on Texas A&M. Like we said, hopefully they can win these last two games and maybe get squeak into the tournament and to probably a lower seed and then maybe make a run. We'll have to see. And then you have your Arkansas women's golf in the Darius Rutger intercollegiate tournament. And then, Arkansas men's basketball next Tuesday taking on Tennessee on the road as well. So another one of those road games, which we said, hopefully we can steal one of those. I think probably Tennessee's our better chance to do that, but you never know. Yeah, that'll be a tough game as well. They're, they're playing good ball at the right time. I mean, it's, it's SEC basketball, man. There's, there's never an easy game. Um, Even the ones that you want to say are easy still aren't easy. I mean, that Florida game, we got a good win on, but it's not like that was an easy game, especially considering um, Castleton was out. That game could have been a very tough, hard matchup type game if, if he wasn't out. Um, so can't take anything for granted. And hoping we can get a couple of couple of extra wins in under our belt, kind of right here before turning time to solidify a good seed. That's very true. And so as we wrap up here, you know, thank you for listening to today's ep- this today's episode of Woopig Weekly. You know, make sure to go catch us on Twitter at either the Southern Boys Sports Arkansas Twitter account or the Woopig Weekly account. Go give us a follow, and we'll keep you up to date on as much as we can until we meet up for the episode next week. So you know, it's another episode. You know, go Hogs. <laughs>